0: here we go again all right here we go again i am here again i am sorry for the false start let's try this again i pray people will find me anybody there it says we have some people here hey we got. Facebook has updated their stuff. I can see things. All right. All right, I tried something different to start off this thing, and it didn't work the way I planned it. So we're going back to the old tried and true. So I apologize for the false start. And if you don't know, I am Pastor Nelson, Pastor Nelson Nisley, Tower View Baptist Church associate pastor there in Kansas City, Missouri. Welcome to our Sunday School lesson today. Um, If you want to find out more about our church, you can check out our website at TowerViewKC.com. Obviously, Facebook page. And um, if you need to get in contact with the church, 816-368-1330. You can call that number, you can text that number. If you go to our website, there is a way that you can text the church, send a message to the church. many different ways to, to do things. Um, all right, so I'm just making sure everything's up and going. I got messages making sure that, you know, people aren't telling me things are going haywire. So I appreciate you all coming on today. Uh, I'm trying some new software and we have some new hardware coming and i was trying to use the new software this morning and well it didn't work the way i thought it was going to work i did a test one run earlier this week and it worked just fine Um, so that's the way it is so we are continuing our sunday school lesson last week we finished up the book of isaiah and this is the first sunday in the book of december in the book of december in the month of december and we're starting a new book we're going over the next three months the next 13 weeks we'll be going through Uh, the first nine chapters of the book of Luke. So last quarter, in 13 weeks, we went over 66 chapters of the book of Isaiah, sort of. Um, We looked at it, obviously we didn't look at every verse in every chapter. This time we're going to take 13 weeks and we're going to go over nine chapters in the book of Luke. So obviously we're not skipping near as many verses, we're going to look at a few more things. But that's where we are. So we are starting off in the book of Luke. And if you're a church member and you don't have a church uh, uh, quarterly and you want one, um, ask for one when you come into the parking lot this morning. Um, Otherwise, you know, pull out your Bibles. We're going to be using those. So I use those more than I use the quarterly. I use the quarterly as a kind of a guide to um, where we're going, but I usually use more verses than there are in the guide. So let's begin with the word of prayer. Lord God, we just thank you and praise you for all the blessings that you've given us. Help us to be your servants in all that we do. Help us to to open our eyes and our mind and our hearts, Lord, for what you have to say for us this morning as we look at these scriptures. And we just pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So we're looking at the book of Luke this morning. And the lesson plan starts in chapter 1, verse 13. Which is in the middle of a scene. And I'm trying to get away from the we're saying Bible story um, because in our, in our culture today, when you, we hear story, we think movie, we think books, we think fiction. And scripture, to me, is not fiction. It is not mythology. It is a record of events as they happened. Now they may not have all the details that we'd like to have in our day and age, um, but they are accounts of true situations. So I'm trying to get a way for me anyways, from using the word story. And so in today's Bible account we see we have, we have we have a man who's following God, we have an angel. We have a group of worshipers, all that's happening. But the book of Luke, why why do we call it the book of Luke? In, In the first three verses, we get an introduction, which is really the only gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that have an introduction in this way. It says, Many have undertaken to compile a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled among us. Just as the original eyewitnesses and servants of the word handed them down to us, It also seemed good to me, since I have been carefully investigated everything from the very first to write to you an orderly account, an orderly sequence, most honorable Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of these things about which you have been instructed. And so here the writer of this gospel does not identify himself. In fact, all four Gospels, the writer never identifies themselves. They're all what well, we consider anonymous books. But from the earliest church history, and even the early church historians never argued about who wrote these books. So nobody ever argued in the early church history, the people who had known the people who knew these people, that the, the man named Luke that we read about in the, in the book of Acts that was a companion of Paul, wrote this uh, book. He wrote Luke, and he wrote the book of Acts. It has a very similar introduction in the book of Acts. And Luke was a physician. Um, And so he wrote this, and he wrote it to a man named Theophilus, who apparently was a person of some importance, because he calls him most honorable. Official title, we see that in in the book of Acts when they meet dignitaries, especially kings and high-ranking people, they call them most honorable. So, Theophilus but we, was somebody of some importance, but we don't know who he was. We have no clue on where he served, where he worked, his family, uh, what part of the world he lived in. We don't know any of that. It sounds like he became a Christian or was very close to it, and he had heard many of the stories and heard many of the accounts of, of Jesus and everything, and Luke says, hey, hey, I'm going to write this all down. And if I had to guess, I would say, since Luke was a companion of Paul, when Paul was in prison for two years in Jerusalem, towards the end of his life, Luke, while he was, you know, didn't have a lot to do, he went around Jerusalem and he interviewed people. He very well may have interviewed Mary if she was still alive, or maybe some of the children, Jesus' brothers and sisters that were still alive. And so other people that were around in the early church, he probably interviewed them, and that's how he got these great stories, these great accounts that we have that aren't in in the other Gospels. And so the account that we read about, starting in verse 5, is not found in any of the other four Gospels. This is only here. And So he doesn't date and do things in the ancient world the way we do now. So in verse 5, it says, In the days of King Herod of Judea, That was the time and place. Doesn't give a date, a year number. Doesn't say what, how many years King Herod had been uh, king. Um, The way we see in the Old Testament, where it says, you know, in the seventeenth year of King so and so, it doesn't say any of that. Um, But here we have, you know, it it says when it is, and it's we know we're in Judea. This is 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 the place that's happening at. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at some stuff here. Okay. Um, so I, I'm seeing your comments, and I appreciate it. And, and and so, going on. Um, and so we we know where it is. And it says, continuing in verse 5, it said, King Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest of the Abijan division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. So we get... We get to all the who, what, when, where, and why, okay? So we know this is during the time of King Herod in Judea. And there's a, we know that there's this priest named Zechariah. You're, you're in your translation it may say Zacharias. It's the same person, just different spellings in English. And he was a priest. And the priests were divided into 24 divisions. And he was in the division called Abijah. And the way they worked at that time is they had way more priests than they had worked for the priests in the temple. So of these 24 divisions, each division was called to Jerusalem two weeks out of the year, two, two separate weeks. So one week, one part of the year, and another week, another part of the year. So kind of like Army Reserve annual training, National Guard annual training, except it was split. So they did one week two times a year. And that division would come down and they would do the different things that were required to maintain the temple, to do services, and such. And so they came down. And his wife was also the daughter of a priest. And the only way to become a priest in ancient Israel during this time is you had to be the son of a priest. Only in the, uh, the tribe under the sons of Aaron They were part of the tribe of Levi, but only the sons of Aaron under the tribe of Levi were considered priests. The Levites also worked around the temple, but they didn't work in the temple. They did other duties maintaining the temple. The priests actually conducted services. They conducted um, the the worship that was inside the temple and outside the temple and, and such. The Levites were their assistants. And it says in verse 6 that both were righteous and blameless. They they, they weren't sinners. They honestly tried to live a godly life through all their their lives. But, in verse 7, But they had no children, because Elizabeth could not conceive, and both of them were well along in years. So it doesn't say how old they are. They're just well along in years, and they have never had children. But they were blameless and righteous. But the problem is, in that world, they read verses in the Old Testament that said, you know, children are a blessing from God, and they read verses where it says, you know, be fruitful and multiply. People around them would say they're not following God's commands. They're not being fruitful and multiply. God must have cursed them because they don't have any children. They don't have any blessings from God because they don't have children. And how many times did they pray for children? I mean, you want children just because you know you like children, but you also want children, you know, to take care of you in your old age. You want children because um, that was your retirement plan—was your re- children. You had children. You wanted children to carry on the family name. You know, th- so there was worldly reasons for having children, but then you know the spiritual reasons that you you wanted to pass on your wisdom and your knowledge to your children. Um, and so, you know, those were all things that they wanted to do, and they couldn't. They had no children. The agony that they had, that they could never have children. And so, that's, that's the setting that we have. We're in Judea. We're at the time of King Herod. Zechariah is a priest. He's been called to serve in Jerusalem. So he has to go to Jerusalem for a week. Without without Elizabeth, she stays home and holds down the, the fort there. And here we are. Verse 8. When the division was on duty, he was serving as a priest before God. It had happened that he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. So the temple, we, we think of the temple as a place of worship, and it was. But the place of worship for the people was outside. They could not go inside the temple like we go inside a church. The temple was only, inside the temple was only for the priests. Inside the temple was divided into two areas. The first area that you entered in, which is about two-thirds of the inside, was called the holy place. And there was a table that they would put fresh bread on every day, 12 loaves of fresh bread every day. There was a can like a candle opera on the thing, kind of like well, it's it's where you you see the candle things for Hanukkah. They had one like that, except it was big on a stand inside the temple that they had to keep lit, and then twice a day they had to light incense, and the incense was it was a symbol of prayers going up to God, and so a priest the priest would go in there and do these things, but there were so many priests. The, the, there was, you know, there was more priests than opportunities to serve, and so to try to be as fair as possible, they drew lots. They drew names of people who would go in and serve. And so, all this time that Zechariah, he said he was well along in years. That means he had come down to Jerusalem many, many times, two times a year for many years, decades, and he had never served because they had a rule. Once you go inside the temple and serve, you only get to do it once in a lifetime. And then to give everybody an opportunity to serve. So you only got to do it once. So that means all those years, he was never selected to go inside the temple and serve. He always had to stay outside the temple. All the time. Every time. And finally, in his, this old age... God has never blessed him with children. God has never blessed him with the opportunity to go inside the temple and serve. He finally gets selected to serve. At this time. And so he his, his act of service was to go in and burn incense. Now, it doesn't take a long time. He'd go in, he'd burn it for, I don't know how long it was, only by a minute or two, if that long. And then he put it out and come back in. Or maybe he lit it and let it... Burn until it burned out. but it doesn't take long to go light incense. So he, he was chosen, and they did this during a certain time of day. and so there was a bunch of people outside. The other priests that were on duty would doing outside. Any other worshipers from Jerusalem that were faithful, they would come up, maybe travelers that were in town and they want to see a ser- this, come to the temple while they had a chance and, and worship while they had the chance. It doesn't say how big the crowd was. It probably wasn't a throng of thousands of people. You know, maybe a few dozen people would be my guess. A hundred maybe. But here was a time. There was an opportunity for Zachariah to finally serve the Lord. After all these years, he was going to go in and burn incense. And so verse 10, we're in Luke chapter 1, now we're in verse 10. At that hour... Of incense, the whole assembly of people was praying outside. Verse 11: An angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. So here it is: Zechariah goes inside. Everybody's outside and they're saying some sort of prayer that they say while the priest goes inside. And they can't see him. He goes in, the doors are shut. He is in the temple by himself. This huge building that Her- King Herod had built, the temple, the newest temple that they had, version three of the temple. And here, Zechariah is in it, all by himself. He finally has the opportunity to serve. And he's in there. He goes to burn incense. And all of a sudden, there is another person there, right to his right. An angel just appears out of nowhere. He was terrified. Wouldn't you be terrified? You're supposed to be in a room all by yourself and all of a sudden somebody is standing there and they don't look quite normal? You'd be terrified too. Every time an angel shows up through scripture, the first thing they say is don't be afraid. Because why? Because the person is terrified. Daniel in the Old Testament was terrified when he saw an angel. In fact, he saw the same angel. We'll get to that. And here it is. So Zechariah is terrified. And so we get to the lesson, verse 13. So here's where the lesson starts, right here in the middle. In, the, but in verse 13, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you, and you will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. Zachariah, who has not been blessed by God because he had no children. Well, that's the outward view of people, right? He has not been blessed by God because he had no children. He had not been blessed by God because he had never been chosen to serve inside the temple. And here he is in his old age. He finally gets to serve. And this angel shows up, scares the bejeebers out of him, and starts pronouncing blessings on him. What a blessing to get. You know, your prayers have been heard, Zechariah. Now, if they're old, depending on how old they are, were they still praying for children? At some point, would you stop praying for children if you're, as you're getting older? It's like you're like, okay, God said no, we're not having children. It's not happening. And so it may have been years since they prayed for children. They quit praying for children because why pray for children? God didn't God said no. And maybe they accepted it and moved on. But here this angel shows up and says, God heard your prayers. You're going to be blessed. You're going to have a baby. You know, you know, once you get to a certain age, I don't'm not sure if that's a blessing anymore that to have a children in old age. And there's a reason that, you know, God said, okay, young people have children. You have more energy when you're young. Think about how tired you get with your grandchildren sometimes, and so here he is. God, angelus angel pronounces this great blessing that you're going to have a children and gives all these great things this child is going to do. It's going to be a joy and delight, even though you're old. People are going to rejoice with you. Oh, by the way, he's not going to drink wine. The only, we, we see this, and there's one place in the Old Testament that says people shouldn't drink wine. And that's if you take a vial called the Nazarite vow. And normally you take that vow and it's for one year. But there was another old couple in the Old Testament that never had children. And God, when they got an angel, came to them and said, you're going to have a child, and he's never to touch wine or have a haircut, because that was another part of the hair of the Nazarite is never get a haircut for that year. But this couple was told, this child, your, your child shall never drink wine his whole life, and he should never have a haircut his whole life. And that was the parents of Samson, you know, the dude with all the strength. He didn't follow those vows very well as he got older. But he was still chosen by God. It was an elderly couple that never had children, and God blessed them. And so we think, okay, John, what we call John the Baptist, his son, and he said his name's going to be John, you know, was one. We think maybe Samuel also was a child that lived the Nazarite vow his whole life. We don't know that for sure, but we think that that's the case. And, it's, and then he uses, in verses 16 and 17, he uses terminology that's used in the Old Testament with the prophets it's so it's not a direct quote but he's using terminology and language that is reminiscent of the old testament that this is what the things that the prophets tried to do that he to turn many of the children of Israel to the lord their god turn people to god and then he, he talked about he was going to have the spirit and power of elijah specifically mentioned elijah and people's lives will be changed so that fathers will care about their children and that disobedient people will learn to not be disobedient and learn to be righteous. And just in general, get ready for the Lord. Get the people prepared for the Lord. So it didn't say specifically anything about the Messiah. But Zechariah, who is a priest who has studied scriptures, would have understood the terminology and, and, and seen, it's like, wait a minute, is the Messiah coming? He would have said this, and he said, this is about the Messiah. And he would have understood that. And so this is a great and huge blessing. Zechariah is finally being blessed. And how does he respond in verse 18? Zechariah, an Old Testament, remember, he's also an Old Testament scholar. Well, he wouldn't call it Old Testament. He was just a scholar of Scripture. So he knew about Samson and his parents. He would have known about Abraham and Sarah, who God promised them children when they were 75, and didn't, and then they had Sarah was pregnant when she was 99. And, and, and Abraham was 100 years old when they had their first child. And he would have known about that. He'd known about all the promises and miracles that God had done through the Old Testament. And how does he respond in verse chapter 1, verse 18? How can I know this? How can I know this? How can Zechariah, who have seen who is a married man, who knew his wife many times, how can I know this? How can I know that you're really going to do this, God? You just pronounced this great blessing. How, how can I know this? You haven't blessed me ever before. Why start now? He asked the angels, for I'm an old man, and my wife is well along. How, how can I know that this is going to happen? He knew biology, but he also knew the miracles that God did in the, old, in, in, in the scripture. I keep saying Old Testament because that's what we call it. He wouldn't have called it the Old Testament because they didn't have a new one yet. So they just had scripture. They just had you know, what we call the Bible now, which is a Greek word. They wouldn't have used that word. Um, They just had scripture. He knew all those things. And yet he goes, how can this be? How can I know this? Did he want a sign from God? Was the angel standing there in front of him not good enough? And so how did the angel respond? Verse 19, the angel answered him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God, and I have sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the days these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. You ever heard the phrase, you know, well, we don't have any miracles because people don't have any faith? So Zechariah here didn't have any faith. He didn't believe God. But the angel says, these things are going to be fulfilled in their proper time. Despite Zechariah's unbelief right here at this point in time. He says, they're going to happen, whether you believe they're going to happen or not. And here's your sign, by the way, Zechariah you can't speak until that baby is born. Until these things happen. So the angel didn't really tell him exactly when it was going to happen. He didn't say when the baby is born. He says until all these things happen, you're not going to be able to speak. He said, and and the angel, in his pronouncement, says, I am Gabriel. The other time we see Gabriel, well, we we see Gabriel one time in, in Revelation, but in in Scripture, we see Gabriel talking to Daniel, the prophet Daniel, and he's he's mentioned twice in chapters eight and nine in the book in the book of Daniel. The Jews taught that Daniel was also the man in linen, in in, in uh, Ezekiel. We don't know that for sure. The man in linen is not named. Christians sometimes say that that was Jesus, the man in linen, but it doesn't say specifically who it was. Um, Gabriel. You know, uh, Mormons claim Gabriel told Joseph Smith things. uh, Islam has has stories of Gabriel speaking to Muhammad. Gabriel, Angel Gabriel shows up in movies and literature all over the place. But here Gabriel is speaking to Zechariah, a priest, inside the temple, while people are outside waiting for Zechariah to come back out, because all he was doing was lighting incense. And here, Zechariah is having a conversation with an angel. So Zechariah, don't know if he burned the incense before the angel showed up, or after the angel showed up. But he eventually lit the incense. Well, we assume he did. And then the angel, as far as we know, the angel left him. It doesn't say that the angel left him. But verse 21 kind of moves on. It says, Meanwhile, Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, amazed that he stayed in so long in the sanctuary. Now, how long was that? If they only expected him to be in there for two minutes, and he was in there for five, ten minutes, they'd be amazed, right? It wasn't like he was in there for hours. Um, it doesn't take long, to light incense. He only needed to be in there for a couple minutes. But he took longer than normal. Verse twenty-two, chap, Luke chapter one, verse twenty-two. When he did come out, he could not speak to them. Then they realized he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He was making signs to them and remaining he remained speechless. So here he comes out, and he, he was going to say, "I saw an angel," but nothing came out of his mouth. And so he had to play charades to try to get them that. Figure out that he's seen an angel, and they couldn't quite figure that out. But they figured that he had some sort of godly vision while he was in there. Just the fact that he was in there that long, and just probably his excitement that he had, because even though he didn't initially believe the angel, the fact that an angel came to you would 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 be pretty amazing. And so, and he realized that what the angel really said, it started to sink in. And so, just from his demeanor and his excitement and the fact that all of a sudden he can't speak, they knew something happened. He had some sort of vision. And, but he, he couldn't communicate it to them. Could he write it down? Probably. But pen and paper weren't as pop, you know, weren't, were very expensive things. They, they, they weren't just laying around as much as we have today. And so verse 23, when the days of his ministry were completed, he went back home. So he was there for a week, but it doesn't say which day of the week that he served, because this is something they do every day. And they do it twice a day. So was this the morning one or the evening one? It doesn't say. Was this on the first day that he got there, or was it on the last day that he, he was there? It doesn't say. To me, it kind of implies it was earlier on in the week, and he stayed there the rest of the week. He didn't he didn't go home, so he served out his duty, and then he went home. And so he lived. Um, it doesn't say here, but we do, we know in the rest in another part that he lived in in uh, Nazareth. Up and north, up by the Sea of Galilee. And, and so to get to Jerusalem, it's a walk. It's not like, you know, it's a it's a you know a couple-day walk. So um, you know, he had to go home. So he goes home. Verse 24 and 25. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and kept herself in seclusion for five months. She said, The Lord has done this for me. He has looked with favor in in these days to take away my disgrace among the people." So he went home. I'm sure he told Elizabeth about this as best he could. And he knew his wife again. And she got pregnant. But after all those years, all those... Did she have miscarriages? We don't know, it doesn't say. She didn't tell anybody she was pregnant. Not until the evidence was obvious. You know, as guys, we learn, you know, a long time, don't ask a woman if she's pregnant. You know, sometimes you'll see these pictures of of Hollywood people, and it's like, is that a baby or a burrito? You know, is she just getting a little pudgy or is she pregnant? And, you know, you you don't ask a woman if she's pregnant. And so, but she didn't go out and volunteer the information either. Why? Well, who's going to believe an old lady when she comes up and says, Well, I'm finally pregnant? He's like, Yeah, right. You thought that before, too. Is she getting, she's getting kind of old, isn't she? she, She's getting delusional. She thinks she's pregnant. We have to lock her away. What's wrong with her? So she waited for five months until the evidence was obvious, could not be hidden by clothes. Then she went out. And people learned she was pregnant. And then they could rejoice. They didn't have to make fun of her. And that's where this account ends for this study. We're going to stop there. There's so much more I want to go ahead. It's like, oh, I'll tell you about... No, that's next week. So we're going to pick up actually in verse 26 next week. But here a faithful servant of God who him and his wife they had prayed for years decades to have children and God always said no but what do we say about prayer how God always answers it sometimes he says yes sometimes he says no sometimes he says wait and here is a case of God said wait but they thought it was no why because God had chosen them to be the the parents of John the Baptist the precursor, the, the one crying into the wilderness to prepare the way for the Messiah. And so God was planning, He was preparing. But Zechariah and Elizabeth didn't know that. They didn't know they were part of God's plan, they didn't know all that was happening behind the scenes. They didn't know the angel Gabriel was practicing his speech to to Zechariah. The has said, Gabriel, I I got a job for you, but you got to wait. Here's when you're going to do it, and here's where you're going to do it. You got to wait, but be ready. He says, but he's not going to believe you, so here's what you're going to say. Here's what's going to happen. And why can I say that? Because God said that to the prophets at times. He said, they're not going to believe you. And when they don't believe you, this is what you're going to do. He, he said that to the prophets at different times. And so God is planning. He's preparing. He is not ignoring you. God didn't ignore their prayers. God knew exactly what he was going to do with Zechariah and Elizabeth on the day they got married. On the day they first met each other, when they were children probably, they probably grew up in the same town. We don't know that, but it would be my guess. God knew that when they were born. He was planning and preparing. But if if you knew everything that was going to happen in your life, you would not ever have to take a step of faith. You would never have to trust in God because he already told you everything. And so God is preparing things for us. It may be great and miraculous things like this here. Or it may seem like small and mundane. But it's preparing somebody for salvation. It's preparing somebody for an act of service. But God doesn't stop. He doesn't go take a nap and turn off his phone and not take messages like we do like we have to do sometimes. God's on call 24-7 and it doesn't wear him out. But sometimes we don't see it. They didn't see it for all those years and it finally happened and Zechariah says, how can it be now? Why now? I've just figured out what I'm going to do for retirement. And God said, nope, i got a plan for you. Now you're going to become parents. And so what does God have planned for you, for your future? It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter if you're a young teenager just starting off in life, or if you're an old fogey and you're retired and you're just trying to figure out what you're going to do, You know how you're going to keep yourself busy tomorrow. God has a plan. We have to take a step of faith each and every day and follow God. There is no, not, there is no day you don't follow God. Follow God each and every day. Let's pray. God, you are the mighty God. Just help us to wait for your plans. Help us to see your plans as they happen. Give us encouragement on the days that we're discouraged. Help us just to, by faith, follow you each and every day. On the great and exciting days, and on the boring and mundane days. On the days we are healthy and excited, on the days that we are sick and tired and miserable. Help us to be faithful each and every day. We just pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So I thank you for watching and listening. Um, Let's see who we got there. We got Shirley, and and I'm sure that means Don's there too. Judy, Unsinker, and Laura Lee. And uh, I'm sure Chris is there, Linda, and I know others are there. And um, actually, Facebook is up their numbers. I can see how many people are watching right now. Um, so I thank you for all of us that's there. And uh, I, I don't know if Patsy's there, but I see her name there. And so I thank you all for watching and listening. Once again, I'm Pastor Nelson Nisley at Tower View Baptist Church. If you check out our church. Website at TowerViewKC.com, our Facebook page. We'll have services today at 1030 outside and inside if you have reservations. And um, don't forget your your gifts for the Christmas families. Um, if you don't have a Sunday school lesson and want one, ask for one at, the, at when, as you pull into the parking lot, whoever's standing out there. Uh, Pastor Darren will be there, but he'll be waving at you from a distance um, I think Lane or intern Lane will be out there. Maybe somebody else with him. So, uh, but whoever's out there, just ask them for a, a lesson plan, and we will get one of those to you. Or you can. Um, so, anyway, if you have any questions or comments, call the church three eight one six three six eight one three three zero. You can call, you can text, and somebody will get back with you. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I pray you have a blessed day. God bless.